Hello, everyone, and welcome to BibleQuest.org or .tv. We're glad you're able to join us. In fact, if I'm not mistaken, this is our first one of the year, the new year, right? I guess you'll confirm that with me when I bring the panelists in. My name is Drew DeGrotto. I'm your host. And uh, Scott Smelter is with us. Uh, Scott is our program director. Hi, Scott. How are you doing? Let me stop the sharing while we're going on here of that screen somehow. There we go. Okay, Scott, you there? I'm there. You're there. Right. <laughs> okay, cool. And Jonathan, good to see you. Jonathan, how you doing? I'm doing well. Good to see you guys. Good to see you on this year 2021, our first, it is the first one, right? We didn't, we didn't, yeah, it is. I, I can't keep track. Look at this. The, the month is going by already. <laughs> okay, so with that, with all that said, just a little housekeeping. For those who are coming in and maybe have not joined us in the past or recently, if you're coming in on the Zoom app, please use the uh, Q&A box or the chat window. Click on either one of those buttons, bring up the little window and give us your input feedback as we go through our program today. If you're coming in on the Facebook page, we are live on Facebook, right, uh, Jonathan? Good. Okay. Use the comment box there and we'll be monitoring all of your comments. And as I always say, Facebook reminding you Facebook is about 18 seconds delayed from what um, the uh, Zoom app is. So with all of that said, Scott, uh, am I leaving anything out? I don't think so. But Scott, why don't you uh, take over? What, what are we talking about today? Well, fortunately, Drew, so far, you have said nothing that would get you in trouble with the uh, word police right now wait a I, minute let let me let me let me go amen to that oh now you've done it now you've done it you were doing so good and it said, amen which uh, is absurd amen has nothing to do with well what are we talking about today i think i think the audience is getting an idea of what we're talking about today yeah so i think most people have heard about the house of representatives being opened with a prayer that in besides the other uh, things in the prayer that we're not going to be focusing on today, it ended with amen and a woman. Oh. And, and there's, there's also, of course, the new house rules proposed, and these are not laws for the country, but proposed for discussion within the House of Representatives to, some, anybody have that list of yeah. things they are not to say if this goes through? Yeah, I have it. It's it's a resolution for the 117th Congress. It does say though it's for adopting the rules of the House of Representatives for the 117th Congress and for other purposes. Oh. That, yeah, that leaves things open that they can go further with it. But this is the United States of America Congress, the most powerful organization on the planet, Congress, right? Uh, the, the rules are, are saying you can't use certain words and I'm stalling because I lost it's a long the words I believe were mother father brother sister so I think you're so now in the congress you're now to say sibling or is your writing laws and stuff say sibling not brother sister not mother or father and uh, this is just another example of attacks on the way God created it. So back in Genesis, 
Jonathan, what, what, is, what does the text say back in Genesis when, when human beings are created? Read that for us, please. Yeah, so back in Genesis chapter 1, um, God has just created everything uh, in all of the world uh, in that six-day time period. And uh, within the sixth day in verse 26 of Genesis 1, then God said, let us make man in our image after our likeness and let them have dominion over the fish of the sea and over the birds of the heavens and over the livestock and over all the earth and over every creeping thing that creeps on the earth. So God created man in his own image and the image of God, he created him male and female. He created them. So that's really what we're going to be talking about today. Male and female, he created them. And I probably overstated it a minute ago. It's not everything being an attack on that. Sometimes it's uh, not wanting to use a male term for say a function that both a man or a woman might do. Uh, and so like, and, and let's flip it around. If you get a job uh, checking meters, would you like to be known as a meter maid? as a guy so you know there there's a, some of it can can be that just respecting respecting the fact that some people are male some people are female and so some terms by handing being more neutral it can apply to either one but a lot of it i mean mothers are mothers fathers are fathers but we now live in an era where we have men pretending to be women and women pretending to be men. And there's a bunch of other things too, John. Yeah, and also just to kind of round out the idea in Genesis, I know we're going to go to other places, but after God does that, after he creates them male and female, uh, it goes through some different other things where God is giving them instructions to be fruitful and multiply and various different things. And the last verse in uh, Genesis 1 is Genesis 1.31, which says, And God saw everything that he had made, and behold, it was very good. Um, so the way that God did it, making male and female, is very good. And there are various other things. I mean, we could talk for a long time about why it's very good that there are males and females and, and how that works in God's creation, but just to, to tie Genesis one all together. Well, uh, I found the, the full list and apparently this is not very good because the clause of rule 23, you're to strike these words, can't use them father, mother, son, daughter, brother, sister, uncle, aunt, first cousin, nephew, niece, husband, wife, father-in-law, mother-in-law, son-in-law, daughter-in-law, brother-in-law, sister-in-law, stepfather, stepmother, stepson, stepdaughter, stepbrother, stepsister, anything to do with the gender, half-brother, half-sister, grandson, or granddaughter, and then you insert, well, what do you use? Well, parent-child, siblings, parents. A parent's siblings, siblings' child. You see how that works? Those are not good, Jonathan. So you, you, we've had for a number of years now, and there's two things going on. Part of the time, it's don't pay attention to gender, don't pay attention to gender, don't pay attention to gender. But if someone wants to switch gender, you must pay attention to the pretended gender. Uh, if if I, next week, if I tell you guys I am Scottina and you're supposed to call me she, then I have now apparently the right to be very offended if you do not choose, use the pronouns that I have chosen to provide for myself. 
it reminds me a little bit about the views of marriage. Uh, in the 1960s, uh, Jonathan, you weren't around. Drew, you were around. What was the cultural left attitude, uh, especially in the hippie movement, about marriage? What was it people always said about marriage in the 60s? Oh, um, I forget the actual terms, but it's open marriage. You, you do whatever you want with everybody. Okay, there was some of that, but what I remember was saying marriage doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. You know, it, it's just a piece of paper. You just, just go love somebody. You don't need marriage. Marriage doesn't matter. However, in the last 10 years, marriage has become very, very important culturally. In what circumstance? Same-sex marriage. Yes, yes. So now there's a great deal of honor. So remember Hebrews says, let marriage be had in honor among all. Yeah. When men were marrying women and women were marrying men, there were a lot of people that weren't honoring that very much. But now that men are marrying men, and women are marrying women, that is to be honored. Likewise with gender. You're not supposed to pay much attention to gender unless you want to claim to be a different gender that you are, and now this is very important. So what I want us to do today is look at some biblical texts. Remember that God created them male and female. Remember that there is important things about that. So look at the biblical texts. I also want us to look at the different ways in which, and not everybody has the same motive, but collectively there are some great dangers of attacks on the male-female uh, reality that have been happening in our society for a number of years. Drew. Uh, maybe I'm not as bright, as, and I know I'm not as bright as those that are in office and politicians in Washington, but you just said if, if you want to identify as a she, well, the, the resolution here is saying I can't use the word she. Isn't that a contradiction of a situation? Is she one of the words in the resolution? Yeah. Are you sure? Uh, maybe not. Maybe, maybe, maybe you're right. I don't know. But there was another one we talked. Oh, yeah. Strike. And this is article number something about B. Strike he or she serves and insert such member delicate or resident so you i can't say she serves referring to you i'd have to say member yeah. and now some of this may have to do with like legislation like for people in the armed forces or for people that work in the postal department or for people that are receiving you know hud assistance and i can see why you might want to put they instead of he or she because some of the people working the postal service are he and some are she. Right. So you can see why you might have some of that. But some of these other things is just really, really, uh, there, there, there's a lot messed up that's going on. And it's, let's start with the prayer. Why on earth? Now, we don't know if he knows what the word means or not. I assume he does. And he's just making a political point. But let's just get this out of the way. Is amen... <laughs> a reference to men no it means so be it it has no reference to gender whatsoever yeah it, it's it's a greek word uh and it in fact the word amen is in the bible more times than most people realize 
Uh, it's in 1 Corinthians 14, where it talks about at the end of a prayer saying, amen. Uh, it's at the end of some of Paul's praises of God's glory, amen. But where else does the Greek word amen show up repeatedly in the Gospels? But translated with a different word. Whenever Jesus would be speaking, he says it quite a lot, and uh, it'll be translated normally as truly or verily, depending yeah. on your translation. Yeah, if you've got the King James, all those verily, verily, I say to you, that's amen, amen, I say to you. Uh, in the Gospel of John, a lot of those truly, truly, that's amen, amen. So, um, and, so what do you, did, did you bring up where you're getting this from? It was oh, a... Yeah, yeah the, the prayer that they opened the house with ended with the words, amen, and a woman. <laughs> I've seen it listed as women or woman. It sounded to the audio, it sounded like woman. Uh, but it, it makes no sense linguistically, but there's points being made here. So let's back up and first talk about what's been going on in culture on a number of levels. Uh, the How fatherhood has been attacked, how motherhood in, in many ways has been undermined, how gender confusion is promoted, how a lot of our culture has been doing attacking on almost every front the biblical idea of the man and the woman. So let's start with some examples and talk us through the last 50, 60 years. Well, the uh, attack on fathers, I mean, that's you kind of mentioned that a little bit um, already, but that's been going on for a long time. Uh, since before I was born, but it kind of manifests in pop culture in a lot of different ways. So the common thing in pop culture is you have a funny sitcom or a cartoon or something like that following a family. And generally the father in the family is uh, ignorant and can't do anything right and not reliable and stupid. And, you know, he'll say something and everyone's just like, oh, that's just dad. Don't worry about him. He doesn't know what he's doing kind of thing. So incapable is the the common theme among fathers and sitcoms. Yeah. yeah. And, and there's, there was a TV show. I never saw this that I recall. I might've seen a few minutes of it when I was little, I think it was maybe in the fifties. I would have grown up in the sixties myself. Uh, but it was called father knows best. Oh yeah. And I don't remember the show, but wow. I hear people refer to it. That, you know, it's, they view that as kind of a terrible time in history when people would pretend that this was reality. And they would, so with, like, would so with fathers, father knows best. And in that show, apparently, it, it, I'm sure it had some comedy, probably at the expense of various family members. But the, the idea that the man is to be respected, a lot of people feel violent against almost and i i believe for some people it's a result from growing up from dysfunctional homes uh because i've heard people say the world never was like that there never was any like on leave it to beaver there there never was a mr cleaver you know that whole idea with the uh you know stable good family where things were handled well that doesn't even exist anyway. Which sounds to me like coming from people that grew up in dysfunctional homes, because there's a lot of good homes. There's a lot of good homes 
where good men, not infallible men, not flawless men, not men who do not need the grace of Christ, but good men who love their wives and love their children and work hard to prepare for them and lead them and train them. A lot of good families where good women want to be in that family and respect and follow their husband's leadership and are thankful for it and do wonderful jobs raising their children and having a life of love together and then children getting the blessing of growing up in that. Uh, and, and every family will have, when, when you have, anytime you have sin, you have a certain level of dysfunction and we will all have problems that we have to deal with. But part of what a family does is work together, work that out, learn from it, apologize, move forward and go on. But a lot of people just really, really hate that idea of the mother and the father and, and especially the father being the leader of the family, et cetera. What are some other ways in which our culture attacks that? While you're thinking, I'll throw out another one. Have you noticed how many superhero movies lately have the girl being the hero? Yeah. Well, this, this rather small actress, uh, and you know, she's beautiful, she's attractive, she's fit but she's doing incredible feats of strength and defeating all the male bad guys, uh, maybe even occasionally one of the male good guys, you know, and, and everybody is just in awe of how much more powerful the woman is than the man. I'm seeing it over and over and over. Why? Why is that such a thing right now? I'm not, asking, I'm not following your question. What do you mean, why is it such a thing right now? Why is it so popular now to make sure that like the female is the hero in so many settings. Well, I think all of this is related to that movement of, of diminishing the family. I, the bottom line is diminishing the family structure. And, and somebody, this was in the news just this last week, and I think maybe it was somebody from Hollywood, pointed out and said, why, why don't, you know, stop making movies where women are trying to be men? Like, why is there never now a movie about where a woman gives birth? That's a pretty cool thing. I don't mean filming the birth, but I mean, <laughs> bringing life into the world is pretty amazing. Men don't get to do that. Women get to do that. And it's one of the most significant things that ever happens in a human life. But that's not what's being celebrated. And why now are so many movies about women behaving like men? I'll give one more and then we'll be quiet for a minute. RuPaul, who is a transvestite, a uh, rather famous transvestite, and has some show or used to have some show somewhere about drag queens, men dressing up like women. I saw a quote from him about a year ago, and he said, this whole thing is about a big, and he used a vulgarity that I won't use, um, against male patriarchy. In other words, it's not just that they want to do that. It's they are, they are angry at the idea of male leadership. And so they're trying to do so many things to attack it. We've got me, a comment. Yeah, let me, let me read a couple of comments. Uh, 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 
is it still an abomination to God? The answer is yes, and we're going to go there with some of those scriptures. Uh, Patrick says, Scott, Scott's childhood family was like that. Hmm. Yeah, that was back to talking about having a good, good yeah. godly man, a good godly woman. As parents. I, okay. Us to have not, not two perfect people, but two good people that love God and love their family. And there's a lot of people like that. Yeah, Jim, Jim says it's popular. Uh, because uh, this is talking about the the, the question of, of women being uh, you know acting like men I think it said it's popular because of our current woke society and then he goes on to say you'd be surprised how many people I know uh, think like this it's almost yes. as if they hate men yes yes so is it a is it an abomination Oh, there's a lot of it is. Which part in particular are you thinking of, though? Well, I'm thinking of, we were talking about this earlier, uh, where men are wearing women's clothes. Yeah. So what does the Old Testament say about that? Oh, that would be out of uh, Deuteronomy 22, which I don't have. Do I have that right here? Yeah. Verse 5. Uh, let me scroll down there. A woman shall not wear a man's garment, nor shall a man put on a woman's cloak, for whatever, for whoever does these things is an abomination to the Lord your God. Wow. So, so what's a, a man's garment? Didn't didn't men wear loosely what we would almost con consider dresses? Really, almost yeah. robes. This verse is not about whether or not somebody wears pants. Because right. uh, if you saw Abraham walking around, you know he he, he wasn't wearing a pair of of, of jeans or khaki slacks but it compares that with a woman's cloak so there's there's clearly it's talking about a difference in the clothing identification yeah it's it's very simple god created man god created woman there are similarities but they are different and they would dress different and we also see different hairstyles and we'll see that referred to in first corinthians 11 but we have a society now that wants to simultaneously two things, say two things. Don't pay attention to the differences like unisex hairstyles, unisex clothing. A lot of people go for the androgynous look, androgynous. So it's, there are people that want to, when you look at them, guy, is that a girl? I can't tell. There are people that want that look. Don't pay attention to it. Don't pay attention to it unless you want to be the other one than what you were born as. So for instance, our secretary of health um, has declared, he's declared that he is a woman. Uh, we're talking about secretary of health in the state of Pennsylvania. But Pennsylvania. Right. Uh, and is he going for an androgynous looking woman? No. A short haired looking woman? No, he's going for a woman looking woman. Now, given that he is a man and not a woman, I'm going to leave aside the problem of how that plays out in appearance. But it's it's if you if you want to pretend you're a woman, then oh yes, make the you know make it look like you're female. If you if a woman wants to pretend she's a man, then attacks are coming on so so many levels. Um, so I, I was about to mention what RuPaul said. Oh yeah, I think I already did. He said, it's, 
It's in your face. Attack. Yeah, it's in your face attack against the idea of a patriarchal uh, male-led society. Yeah. And he's he's there and he's attacking, so he's being honest that that's what he's doing. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So what are some more biblical verses on this topic? You mentioned over in 1 Corinthians 11, Paul has the discussion uh, about uh, head coverings, uh, mentions different haircuts and hair length and things like that. So um, I can just read that and then we can comment on it a little bit. In 1 Corinthians 11 and verse 2. Uh, Paul says, now I command you because you remember me in everything and maintain the traditions even as I have delivered them to you. But I want you to understand that the head of every man is Christ and the head of a wife is her husband and the head of Christ is God. Every man who prays or prophesies with his head covered dishonors his head. But every wife who prays or prophesies with head covered, dis, uh, excuse me, with her head uncovered dishonors her head since it is a shame for her as if her, shed, her head was shaven. For if a wife will not cover her head, then she should cut her hair short. Or, excuse me, for if a wife will not cover her head, then she should cut her hair short. But since it is disgraceful for a wife to cut her hair or shave her head, let her cover her head. For a man ought not to cover his head, since he is the image and glory of God, but a woman is the glory of man. For man was not made from woman, but woman for man. Neither was man created from for woman, but woman for man. That is why the wife ought to have a symbol of authority on her head because of the angels. Nevertheless, and in the Lord, woman is not independent of man, nor man of woman. For as woman was made from man, so man is now born of woman. All things are from God. Judge yourselves. Judge for yourselves. Is it proper for a wife to pray to God with her head uncovered? Does not nature itself teach you that if a man wears long hair, it is a disgrace for him? But if a woman has long hair, it is her glory. For her hair is given to her for a covering. If anyone is inclined to be contentious, we have no such practice, nor do the churches of God. So was that the ESV? Yes, yeah, ESV. Okay. So, um, and I think there's a couple of spots there for the ESV, which I think is a very good translation. Probably didn't translate it quite all that well. And our purpose today is not to uh, figure out what that covering is, whether it was to be an external cloth covering worn then and worn now, not just a custom, but, but uh, 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 a cloth covering to be worn when a woman is praying, or those who would view that it was cloth covering, but it had to do with that setting in that time, or if the hair is the covering. Whichever of those three the text is saying, there is this. You have a distinction. Paul's talking about this for men and this for women. And as he, as he turns his, and is referring specifically to the hair, he talks about it being shameful for the woman to have like a shorn head, uh, shaved head, and that, she, that it is long hair that is the glory for the woman, and it is shameful for a man to have that. So without getting into everything else about 1 Corinthians 11 now, just, just notice the, the difference between men and women was important there. And I'll make one last comment and we'll go to Drew. Uh, one of my favorite books on Corinth is, uh, it's a book that's just an accumulation of descriptions of that city from mostly pagan writers, uh, Latin and Greek. And one of them refers to the long-haired catamites at Corinth. The homosexuals there shaved their legs and wore long hair. 
which of course would cause him to look what? Effeminate. And that and these other things referred to here were not to be done by the Corinthians. True. I just want to bring up a couple of comments of Jonathan. I'll let you read the comment that came in from the Facebook. But uh, Jim was saying, I think it was Jim saying, he came in late, but have you been talked about how people want to modify language? And yes, that's what we're talking with. It started with the, the what Congress, the, the, the 117th Congress now wants to change the language of uh, uh, female and male uh, pronouns uh, and their rules. And then Patrick also said, embedded in 1 Timothy 2, 9 through 10, doesn't it say a woman should dress as a woman? Okay, women should dress themselves in modest apparel, not with the uh, braiding of the hair, which it's often due to excess and just do a lot of that, and the gold and the jewelry, uh, but with modest apparel. And what but is proper? apparel doesn't mean, yeah, it doesn't mean, you know, that you don't know that she's a woman uh, or to wear man's clothing. There, there are people with a fetish who want to dress in the clothes of the opposite sex. Uh, and that's been called cross-dressing. It's been called transvestites, uh, fetish. But now it's being just glamorized in this whole cross-gender, transgender thing. Mm -hmm. uh, and it, it's being, uh, I'll be quiet for a minute. Jonathan, look like you had something to say. Yeah, just an, another comment kind of related to all this from Dan on Facebook. Uh, he said, as stated back, referring back to Deuteronomy 22, um, menswear used to be very similar to what we think of as women's wear. Examples are like wigs or tights or different things like that. Um, the way that I read that verse uh, is more of a don't present yourself as the other gender. Even though we consider those clothing choices today as feminine, they were men and they were not trying to bring it uh, to bring that across. So that, that's, I think, the ultimate point. It, yeah. Whether it's not you shouldn't wear a dress, you shouldn't do that, but present yourself as the gender that you are. If you lived in Scotland when men wore kilts, right. wear a kilt. That was something that, that men wore. Quit trying to pretend to be the other thing. There is a difference. The And listen. Parents, parents, train your boys to be boys. Train them to be good boys, to grow up to be good men. Don't train them with the, well, boys will be boys. You know, well, you know, he's going to be looking at porn. He's going to be beating up on the, the bully and the other kids. That's part of it. No, don't raise a bully. Don't raise a porn addict. Don't raise a bad boy. Raise a good boy, but raise him a boy. And same with girl. Don't push her into being a provocative female. Oh, I can't wait until you're the majorette or, or the cheerleader. You're going to look so cute out there in your skimpy little outfit with all the, the boys, you know, uh, hormones raging, watching her jump around. No, don't do that. But do raise her to be a girl. You know, I started saying, you know, we should all be thankful that God created boys and girls. We really should because you would not be here if God had not made men, men, and women, women, okay? None of us would be here except for God's idea of a man and a woman. In Genesis 2, 24, it was not good for man to be alone. He prayed to help me for him. And for this cause, a man shall leave what? His mother. Mother and mother. Oh, don't say that in the House of Representatives. Papers. Not, no. <laughs> that's right. Not today. 
father and mother and cleaves to his wife, and they two become one flesh. Don't encourage your kids to get androgynous haircuts. Don't encourage your kids, don't encourage your boys to typify feminine uh, clothing and feminine behavior. Don't encourage your, uh, now if, you're, if your girl enjoys sports, fine. It's not that a girl can't enjoy sports. It doesn't mean she has to spend her life baking cookies, but let her be glad that she is a young lady. Let her be a young lady. There's great value in men being men and women being women. And they have a lot in common and they should be able to overlap things. A friend of mine one time said he had never changed the diaper. That's not something to be proud of. Mm -hmm. Men need to help out and change diapers too and stuff. But, you know, there, we've heard a lot about toxic masculinity, but it sounds... <clears throat> I think for some people, it's not just an attack on toxic masculinity, but maybe an attack on masculinity. Masculinity is a good thing. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Parents, raise your young men to be young men and raise your young ladies to be young ladies. The world needs more of I don't know uh, the point Joe was making, but he said it was a big struggle when women wore pants. But that got me thinking about you were saying, yeah, women, we see women wear pants, but even from what I recall, when a woman's wearing pants, she's not wearing the pants to be like a man. It was a fashion. It was a style. Am I wrong on that? Well, and also styles can change. Right. Uh, if, if it was the 1800s and women never wore pants and men always right. did, then I wouldn't want my wife or my daughter to go out and, and be, you know, wearing pants. But if you go into a store today, I mean, when I buy pants, I don't go to the women's section and buy some ladies slacks, you know, they're, they're made for one, they're cut wrong, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Uh, and, and when a woman buys a dress or, or some pants, that's now made for a woman, it's intended for a woman, uh, and you'd often look kind of silly if you were wearing that. Um, but there, there was a time when that wasn't that way. And when it's not that way, we shouldn't be on the cutting edge of trying to change something. Yeah, go back to kilts, you know, uh, that was what, what men wore then. So if we, if we summarize, summarize it all and maybe some questions that I have about it. So like you look at the scriptures, the scriptures seem pretty clear that God designed it this way. It was very good that way. He wanted two sexes. He wanted male and female. He created them in that way. And both of them are very good. And that's a really good thing that God has done. And they have their different purposes and different things. And they shouldn't try to overlap with each other. Um, if you're a woman, be a woman. If you're a man, be a man. Don't try to be either one. Uh, or, or switch genders or identify as something else, that's, that's not good in God's sight. Scriptures call that an abomination. So there's this heavy push for the opposite of that in society and in culture today. Why, my question, I guess two questions. Why is that so destructive or why can that be so destructive um, if that push keeps happening and it keeps kind of gaining headway um, and what should Christians do about it? Oh, those are good questions. Yeah. yeah, would you say that one of the things that's destructive is that it, it, 
it loses the identity and the purpose of that identity and leads leads to the destruction of the family unit. And that's exactly what some people are planning on and, and aiming for. Yeah. Uh, the Black Lives Matter movement, which frustrates me because they took three words that are true and attached it to a movement that stands for some really horrible things. Of course, Black Lives Matter. But some of the founders of that movement had stated that one of their goals was to break up and destroy the, the nuclear family. There are, um, there, there's an author over here in Philadelphia that wrote a book uh, trying, and it's aiming, I forgot the title of it now, but it's aimed at destructing the nuclear family. And they want to do away with the idea that children belong to their parents. And this author proposes uh, where parents and children can float in and out of each other's lives at will. And it says, you know, some parents are going to like some kids more than others. And if they want that to be their kid, they can, maybe that can be their kid for a while and they'll care for it. But then at some time, maybe that, it, that can change and the child can leave and go over there and this parent do that, which is just absolutely horrific. If you think about taking a five-year-old and instead of here's your mom and here's your dad. Now, of course, there's exceptions where a mom or dad has abandoned or died in some tragedy, or a person has gotten themselves in a situation and they're not prepared for or able to care for a child. And so they adopt that child to somebody else who will be their mother and father. There are situations like that. But to take, you know, a, a five-year-old and I'm supposed to decide whether I want to belong in this family or that family, or as an adult, I decide, yeah, I like that five-year-old, but you know, I don't like that seven-year-old anymore. I think I'm done with him. It's, it's outrageous, but they're, it's being attacked all over the place. Yeah, and Joe brings up that you can see the results of destroying the family in many cities where um, I, I think it was uh, Jonathan Bisek or somebody that, that uh, Scott knows that lives in the area um, was working in a prison uh, work um, teaching the gospel in one of the prisons in Jacksonville, Florida. And uh, he said something along the lines of, if, if you looked at all of the people that are in prison, the men that are in prison, and you got like a record of their families, most of them, I don't remember the percentage, but I would, I would assume it'd probably be in the 90s, at least in the 80s percent of the men that are in prison come from single parent homes. Um, and that's really sad to see that. But when, when you have that dysfunctional type of family that's set up, they're not, the children aren't set up for success. Now, there are plenty of kids that come from that type of situation that do well for themselves and, and do good. And that's great and wonderful to see. But how God has designed it to work is that kids are supposed to be in a safe environment with their parents being trained, learning how to be you know, good citizens, honoring God, having good virtues. And when that's robbed of a child, nine times out of 10, they're going to end up in prison, according to that statistic. The... Well, I don't know if it'd be nine times out of 10, but oh, yeah. right. one's in prison. I, I had a prison guard right. where I remember that quote coming from, and Jonathan dealt with a lot of prisons, so he probably saw the same thing. I remember that quote uh, also coming from a prison guard in Georgia who told me uh, that when they looked down the list on the paper, here's the prisoner's name and then mother's name and father's name. The mother's name column was full. Everybody, they all knew who their mother was. The father's column, just empty, 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 empty. They didn't know who their father was. 
And I don't want to turn this into a political policy thing or something, but let's just note that even some sometimes well-intentioned government programs have helped break up families. And when we start viewing the government as the family instead of the family, it's, it's destructive to the family. Not that there aren't people who are in need and receive benefit from the government that really, really helps them in some ways. But what I'm getting at is this. Go ahead, Drew. Well, you're talking about the government, how sometimes it can hinder or hurt the family and, and support things that are going against, negative against society. Are you aware that state of Pennsylvania now on your driver's license, you have a third option for gender? It's X. X. You can have M for male, F for female, or X for binary uh, or other. That's you know, so the Commonwealth of Pennsylvania. And I have the resources here if you want to link to where you can somebody, see. If somebody has committed a crime and you need witnesses to that and you're describing them, you know, one of the things that was, was it a man or a woman? That could be helpful in the description, you know. Uh, but here's a scenario I want to paint. Let's go back. There have always been immoral people. There have, always, there have been people with fetishes. There have been people with sexual perversities. There have been people who marry and break their covenant. There's always been some people like that. But go back to a time in this country when that was not celebrated or the norm, okay? And you're a young lady and there you go somewhere and you're at a party and a young man shows up and he's got on some flashy clothes or a flashy car. Did the average young lady uh, years ago, consider that that was enough that she should partner with that guy? Or was she also concerned about his character, his name, his honesty, his integrity, et cetera? That's what it used to be. Yeah. And not only because we ought to care about character, but also there were some very real practical reasons for planning a family. If, if you, uh, like people will now, they will just, they'll meet somebody at a bar or a party and then get into a physical relationship outside of marriage immediately that night within, you know, an hour or two of meeting each other or whatever, or less. Um, at that time, if a woman became pregnant by a, a hoodlum or a criminal, or a ne'er-do-well or a dishonest person, that affected her life because you didn't have a whole bunch of government programs set up to take care of her child. And there was more of an expectation of living responsibly. And so the, when she was looking for a mate, what, what were gonna be some things if she's thinking about the good of her children, not just her own heart and her own love, but for the good of her children also, what would be some qualities that she would be looking for in a man? Honest, hardworking gentleman. Yeah, honest. He's not going to lie to me. He's not going to say, oh, I was working late when he wasn't working late. True, loyal, dependable. He's not going to, like Malachi chapter uh, two, is it? You know, abandon the wife of his youth. You know, oh, she got a little older. I'm leaving her to get a new mom. Integrity, heart because then she can count on him. She can trust her heart to him 
and she can trust him to be the father of her children. You look in a, say, a bar or club type situation in a city in modern times now. Are those qualities being looked for? Not at the top of the list. Yeah. And what ends up happening? Do, do women still end up getting pregnant? Lots of times. And then there's either an abortion or lots of times there's a child without a father. And then that creates more of the same. And the cycle continues. Family is, the family was instituted before the church and before government. The first institution there God created was the family. All right. Well, um, that's pretty close to the, the end of time, but one more thing, if you guys want to just, um, I, I have one thing that I want to read. Um, and if you guys have any other closing things or our audience, um, in, in Titus chapter one, I want to read just a couple of verses there. Um, but like for me, whenever you look at all the things that are happening in the society, it's just really, really sad. Um, and sometimes it can be pretty overwhelming for me to think like, uh, I have a son that's going to be born in about a month. And to think of what he's going to have to deal with and then what my grandkids might have to deal with. It's just really, really going downhill in a lot of ways. But I'm reminded in Titus chapter 1 in verse 15, it says, To the pure, all things are pure, but to the defiled and unbelieving, nothing is pure. But both but both their minds are con and their consciences are defiled. They profess to know God, but they deny him by their works. They are detestable, disobedient, unfit for any good work. And then in chapter two, he says, but as for you, teach what accords with sound doctrine. Um, there are various different times that something like this will happen in the scriptures where it'll identify there are going to be a lot of people that are godless, that are unpure, and that their consciences are seared, and that they do whatever they want, and they're defiled. But then almost immediately after that, in nearly every context where that happens, the instruction is, but you do what's right. <laughs> yeah. um, you teach what's sound doctrine. You do what's right. You profess the truth. Um, and so that's, I think what God's people need to be doing right now. There's a lot of people that nothing is pure to them. Nothing is right. Nothing is good. They're promoting evil agendas, but as for you do what's right. Um, so that's my final thought on it. Jonathan, go ahead and read the, the rest of that there. Cause it talks about mm -hmm. older men, younger women, uh, men, older women, younger women. Yeah. That's what the text in yeah, in Titus chapter 2, continuing on from there in uh, verse 2, it says, Older men are to be sober-minded, dignified, self-controlled, sound in faith, in love, and in steadfastness. Older women, likewise, are to be reverent in behavior, not slanderers or slaves to much wine. They are to teach what is good, and so train the young women to love their husbands and children to be self-controlled, pure, working at home, kind and submissive to their own husbands, that the word of God may not be reviled. Likewise, urge the younger men to be self-controlled. Show yourselves in all respects to be a model of good works, and in your teaching show integrity, dignity, and sound speech that cannot be condemned, so that an opponent may be put to shame, having nothing, nothing evil to say about us. All right. Um, well, thank you guys for your discussion today. Uh, thank you and our audience for your all's comments today. Uh, if you have any other questions or uh, things you'd like us to discuss on the show about this topic or any other topics, uh, you can submit those to BibleQuest.tv and we'll be happy to do that uh, in our upcoming shows. Uh, but that's all that we have for this week. And so we will see you all next week, Lord willing.